worship in the world is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions as we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. Take me. 
to your river. Let us pray. God, we give thanks for the dew on the grass. We give thanks for the air in our lungs. We give thanks that you have put us in motion and brought us here. In this hour, we turn our focus to you as we study your word, as we sing your praises. For God, you are the source of our being. You alone are worthy of our praise. Amen. this week, likely this week, where you, you stopped and you realized, mm, I messed that up. I need to make that right. There's a time, probably this week, where you felt like, mm, I disappointed myself or someone I deeply love. There's a time when you looked someone in the eyes and said, I'm sorry. Well, that's what we're doing now together. We are looking each other in the eyes, God in the eyes, and admitting in prayer that we mess up. We fall short of God's will for our lives. And we need to say we're sorry. So join me now using the words of the prayer of admission in your program. First, we'll pray together and then a time of silence.
God, your water is wide. It covers us and our many sins. It covers those who have harmed us too. Remind us of the forgiveness we receive in our baptism and call us forward to live with you today. This is the greatest news. Because of Jesus, we are forgiven, which means we get to be set free from all guilt, from all shame, from all wrongdoing. We are set free, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Last week, we began our summer sermon series called Eight Things to Pack. You can see it on the back of your program or on our blog on our website. And the premise is this, it's summertime, which is typically a time that we travel, that we pull out our suitcases and we make packing lists and we try to remember our left and right shoe and our toothbrush and our glasses. Well, in our summer series, we're gonna consider what are the kinds of things we could pack, tools that we could have close by as we experience our life, the spiritual life. We don't always think about being on a spiritual journey. We certainly don't think about um, being prepared for what we might experience spiritually, but there are things that we can pack, tools we can have with us uh, to help us in that experience. Last week, I talked about salt, and today I've brought in a good friend of mine, Howard, to preach on water. Uh, it's a real honor for me to get to introduce uh, my buddy Howard to, me, to you. He's taller than me, as you can see, you know? <laughs> Uh, and Howard and I go way back, so we were trying to figure that out this weekend. Pretty sure that we've been friends for at least 15 years. We met uh, when we were both doing youth ministry in North Carolina. We followed each other's ministry since then, listened to a lot of each other's sermons. Y'all are in for a treat today. Um, he's, he's an incredible pastor and preacher. He's a musician as well. And um, we're in a preaching group together where we listen to each other and critique each other and try to get better. Uh, his wife, Meg, is also an incredible Presbyterian pastor, and um, their two girls are here with us today. Thank you all for being here. And so without further ado, 
Oh, I didn't say, Howard is the senior pastor at First Presbyterian Church of Dunn, North Carolina, uh, which is just north of us. Welcome, Howard. In my church, I always start before I preach by saying, will you pray for the one who preaches for his sins are many? So, will you pray for the one who preaches for his sins are many? Let us pray. Holy and merciful God, come among us this morning and may something of what I say and do, may something of what is seen and heard of me, may something of what is seen and heard here in this place today be not of me, may it not be of us, may it be of you and only you, may it be of you and your promises, the things that you have done for us and the things that you would have us do for you in our lives and in this year world. In your holy name we ask this. Amen. Uh, The scripture reading I'm going to read this morning is from Paul's letter to the Galatians. It's going to be chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. This is one of the Apostle Paul's more famous little verses and passages. Let's listen for God's word to us this morning. Paul writes this. In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. Through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave or free. There is neither male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When Dawn told me the premise of this sermon series, she said, I want you to talk about packing water. So I thought about it for a while and I decided that what I want to share with you this morning is a trick that I learned when I was nine years old. That summer I went to a summer camp And I was in a cabin group with 12 other boys, and we had a counselor who had grown up in the Australian outback, and his name was Geoff. That wasn't really his name. His name was Jeff. But he didn't spell it J-E-F-F. He spelled it G-E-O-F-F, and so we all called him Geoff. We thought it was hilarious. He did not. But Geoff was a good sport about it. Um, As you would expect of somebody from the Australian outback, Geoff was an avid outdoorsman and he was a really, really good storyteller. And so Geoff would take us on these hikes through the woods that surrounded the camp and we'd wind our way through the forest and as we would make our way along the trail, Geoff would tell us stories about the creatures that lived in the woods. So we'd be walking along the trail when suddenly Geoff would stop and turn around and go, shh, do you hear that? I'm not gonna try to do an Australian accent. (laughs) But he'd go, shh, do you hear that? That is the mating call of a yellow-tailed murder hawk. Sometimes their wingspan can grow to eight or nine feet, and they are known to prey on animals as large as fully grown deer. We better be real careful. We'd all get real quiet, 
and we'd listen real carefully, and I would hear what sounded like a normal bird. <laughs> but Geoff was from the Australian outback, so he knew what he was talking about. Who were we to question him? So a few minutes later, we'd be walking along, and suddenly Jeff would kneel down, and he'd point at the ground. He'd say, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, do you see that? Do you see that? Do you see these markings? Those are the tracks of a tiger-striped rattle cobra. I've heard that there's one loose in these woods. Uh, this one is probably a female, maybe seven, eight feet long. Uh, they are some of the most venomous snakes known to man. You guys might want to stay close. So as the hike went on, um, Geoff would describe these creatures and they would become more and more terrifying and more and more absurd. But we would whisper to each other and debate whether or not Geoff was making all this up. On the one hand, none of us had ever heard of a yellow-tailed murder hawk before. On the other hand, Geoff spoke with such confidence that you couldn't help but wonder if he was telling the truth. And there was this one kid whose name was Sammy, and for Sammy, the monsters in the woods started to become a little bit too real. Geoff was a little too convincing, and Sammy started to get scared. First, uh, we noticed he had stopped walking. He was a few steps behind the rest of us on the trail. We could tell he was getting upset. He had tears running down his face. He was breathing rapidly and heavy. He said he didn't want to go any further. All of us in our cabin group, we went and surrounded Sammy, and uh, we told him, look, I think Geoff is just making these stories up, but Sammy wasn't having it. He said, but what if he isn't making it up? What if there is a tiger-striped cobra rattler in the woods lurking around that might kill us at any minute? He was inconsolable. So finally, Geoff caught wind of the drama that was going on behind him, so he went to try to calm Sammy down. We were all sure that what Geoff was going to do was break, break character and, and tell Sammy that the whole thing was just an elaborate prank. But he didn't do that. Instead, what he did was decided to teach us all and to teach Sammy this trick that I want to share with you this morning. So what he did was he, he knelt down and he cupped his hands together and he said, Sammy, I want you to take your hands and go like this. And so Sammy did that. He took his hands and he cupped them together just like this. And then, then Geoff grabbed his water bottle and he poured out water into Sammy's hands. He said, now hold it tight. So Sammy was holding it tight. And he said, so now what I want you to do is I want you to splash that water on your face. Splash that water on your face. Get it, get it on your forehead. Get it on your eyes. Let it run down your face. And so Sammy did this. He took a deep breath and he splashed the water on his face. And with his wet face, Sammy took another deep breath, and almost immediately, he started to calm down. He said, do you feel better? Sammy nodded. So then Jeff turned to us and explained that this was a trick his dad had taught him in the Australian outback when he was a kid. He said, if you're ever out in the wilderness 
and things get tough. Things get scary. You're starting to feel confused. You're starting to feel overwhelmed. You're starting to feel anxious. Maybe you're starting to get tired and you've got to keep going. If you take a moment and you splash water on your face, it'll immediately both perk you up and calm you down at the same time. I have always remembered that trick. And that trick has come in handy for me uh, throughout my life. I've used it many times in my life and, and almost never in the wilderness. I've done it before. I'm about to walk into a big meeting where I know there's gonna be some hard decisions made. Splash that water on my face. Calm down. Focus. I've used it when I felt the overwhelming weight of grief of having lose, lost somebody that I love. And I wanna tell you, it works. This trick works. It doesn't make the monsters that you are concerned about go away. It doesn't make facing the monsters that you have to face in life any less difficult, but it does calm you down, it helps you focus, and it readies you to keep going for whatever's gonna come next in life. There's a name to this little trick. It's called the diving reflex. It's an evolutionary mechanism. We are air-breathing mammals who have the misfortune of living on a planet that's covered with 71% water. And if by chance you and I as air-breathing mammals were to fall into that water accidentally, be thrown into that water accidentally, and we didn't know how to swim, uh, we could die. We would drown. So our bodies from the times that we are infants, have this, this mechanism that kicks in as soon as our heads come in contact with the water that helps us to stay alive. Our heart rate automatically slows down so that we don't panic and it preserves our energy. And then at the same time, the blood flows to our brains and helps us to focus so we can think about how to get out of the situation and stay alert. And we receive this feeling as a sense of relief. This is why a shower can feel so good. At the end of the day, it's not just that you're getting clean. It's relaxing. It's worth noting that you don't get this response if you just dip your toe in the water or if you wade in. The only way that you trigger this response is if water comes into contact up here, with your head, with your face. And when it does, when that water hits your head and your face, you get that calming sense, that focusing sense to prepare you for what's coming next. It's called the diving reflex. Here's something fascinating about human behavior. All of us have an inherent way of marking ourselves to show that we belong. We find ways to show the world who we are, and the people that we belong to. So a bunch of guys that I um, knew in college lived together. And on the day of our graduation, they all went to the tattoo parlor and they got matching tattoos on their forearms to show that they belonged to each other. If you go to a football game, you're going to put on the jersey of the team that you root for. If not the jersey, you're going to put on your team's colors so everybody knows who you're pulling for. Come election season... Some people put yard signs out in their yard that 
broadcast who they intend to vote for, what cause they might support that they care about. If I'm walking down the street, I see somebody who's wearing scrubs. My first assumption is that must be a doctor, that must be a nurse, some kind of medical professional. When I go to my daughter's elementary school, I have to check in at the front desk where they have this awkward camera where they take your picture and then they print out a little sticky name tag that has your picture on it and your name and the time that you checked in and you have to wear that the whole time you're on campus. So as you're walking around campus, the teachers and the principals and the staff know that you belong there. These are called marks of belonging. Pretty much every community, every group, every institution has some kind of mark like this. We Christians in the church, we're no different. We too have a mark of belonging. And more likely than not, you are wearing this mark right now. Not all of you, but most of you. If you're like me, You received this mark when you were a baby, when you were too little to even remember that you were being marked. Maybe you received this mark when you were older, when you were a teenager, when you were an adult. If you haven't received this mark yet, you can. Anytime, all you gotta do is go find Dawn and talk to her. Here's how this mark works. There's more than one way to do it, but in general it goes like this. Somebody who's a a pastor, a priest, an elder splashes or pours water, or even dunks you into the water over your head in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is how we mark that a person belongs to God and therefore belongs here. This mark is different from every other mark of belonging that you have ever been marked with in your life in that it is given with no qualifications. Here in the scripture that we read today, the apostle Paul tells us that in Christ, there is no Jew or Greek. There is no slave or free. There is no male or female. In Christ Jesus, Everyone, everyone has a place of belonging. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how successful you are. It doesn't matter how unsuccessful you are. It doesn't matter how faithful to God you are. It doesn't even matter if you are unsure that there's a God to whom you to belong to. Because in Christ, God has already said you belong if you want to. So what we do to start off this Christian life is we start by declaring that there is a validity to a person's life from the very beginning. And this validity is not something they earn. It's not something they've done something to deserve. And at the same time, this kind of validation cannot be taken away. When you do something to not deserve it, it doesn't go away. When we talk about the grace of God, we mean something like this. The value 
of your life is not dependent on how well you live it. It's not you belong if you get it right. It's not you belong if you pass the test. It's not you belong if you wear the uniform. It's not you belong if you make enough money to pay the dues. It's not you belong if you make the cut. It's not you belong if you are a good person. It's not you belong if you hold the correct beliefs. It's not even you belong until you fail or disappoint everyone, including God. It's just you belong with God. Always, always. And so with this belonging, what that means is you and I, we don't have anything to fear. We don't have anything to prove. There's nothing for us to gain. And there's nothing for us to lose. And yet, and yet we live our lives in a forest that's full of monsters. Don't we? I'm not talking about the imaginary kind, but the real kind, the real monsters. You know them, the ones that can sneak up on you with that concerned look on your doctor's face when you went in for what was supposed to just be a routine appointment, or the one that sneaks up on you with a phone call at a really late hour from a number you don't recognize. The kind of monster that sneaks up on you when you turn on the news and you hear about another terrible tragedy, another shooting. The monsters are not just in your head. They're real. So, it makes perfect sense that the way we Christians begin our journey together is by inducing the diving reflex. We splash water on each other's faces and on our heads in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And when that water hits your head, it hits your face, you can't help but feel that slight tinge of relief. It both calms you down and it focuses you to prepare for whatever is going to come next. And in the same way, when you can trust and define yourself, According to your unconditional belonging to God. Not according to your own belonging to yourself, but to your unconditional belonging of God. That grace will hit your face. And it will both calm you down and focus you at the same time to prepare you for whatever comes next. And this won't make the monsters any less real. It won't make the monsters that we're concerned about go away. Nor will it make facing those monsters any less difficult. But if you could remember this mark of belonging 
to God that you wear, you'll be ready. Oh, one more thing. This mark of belonging. You you may have noticed this, right? I said er earlier, I said everybody, if you have been baptized, you're wearing this mark right now. You may have noticed this. Unlike um, every other way we go about marking our belonging, tattoos, team colors, yard signs, clothing, name badge, uh, baptism is different in that you can't see it. You, You can't look around this room and tell who among us has been baptized and who has not. Uh, Even though you wear it, if you're walking down the street, a person would not be able to see God's mark of belonging on your body right now. Unless it shows up in the way you live it. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we ask this. Amen. My river, 
rise in a sliver The artist has run out of pain Where the blue of the sea meets the sky And the big yellow sun leaves me home I'm everywhere now And the way is about To the wind of each breath by Let us pray. The water sustains us without even trying. Oh Lord, you sustain us through these waters. You give us exactly what we need, calm, focus, belonging. We pray, oh Lord, for our world, for the fear of monsters. We pray for the suffering happening right now in hospice beds and hospital rooms on the streets of downtown Columbia for those in this room suffering. We pray for our leaders, for each of us who with agency walk in this world clinging to you. May we remember our mark of belonging. And we pray using the words that Jesus taught us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Each week we affirm what we believe using these ancient words from the Apostles' Creed. And it's important that as we say these words out loud, we affirm what we believe, we also question it. We take a moment to see what, what fits with us and what does not. It's important that we get curious so that we can learn and go deeper in our faith together. So I invite you to stand now. And beloved, you who belong to God, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
As you go forth from this place, there are going to be monsters out there. They're real. But you can go forth with the assurance that God's grace is for you and that your belonging to God has the last word over all things. So as you step out into that world, love God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself, but not because there's something in it for you. Do it because in Christ Jesus, you've been loved first. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we ask it. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.